Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. Today, I'll be talking with Carol Merrick, who has a unique perspective on the 45 Forward life. Carol is a solo aging advocate and coach, and she is without a doubt the most widely recognized authority on topics related to aging alone in the years ahead. Her perspective is well worth exploring because as we plan for our later years, most of us consider things like our health, housing, financial security, and long-term care, but we tend to overlook one distinct possibility. What if we end up aging alone? Recent studies have found that between 30 and 35% of older adults in the U.S. are expected to age alone within the next decade. About 45% of older women will find themselves in this situation. Many of these so-called elder orphans have no assistance in making financial decisions, no designated caregiver, little access to transportation, and no help in times of crisis. In today's episode, Carol will talk about how to plan for a safe and independent older life. And while there is much of her advice that applies to people in general, there are some things you need to think about differently when you're alone. Drawing initially from her experiences taking care of her older parents, Carol created her own plan for self-care, self-reliance, and creating a family-like community. Now, she teaches other solo adults how to do the same. Carol will explain how to watch out for some of the potential adverse effects of aging alone. She'll describe specific ways to map out a solo aging plan, how to access unique resources, such as her group coaching support services, and Elder Orphan Facebook group. Her ultimate goal? To help solo agers build a strong system of support that they'll need to live with confidence, even without family. So now let's tackle this topic with the spirit Carol Merrick invokes at the top of her own website. Let the adventure begin. So Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Very good. Welcome to uh, to your show. Yes, I'm very excited and uh, I appreciate all your listeners today. Thank you very much. So uh, as we've talked about before, you know, you know that I have a special interest too in, in family caregiving. I'm working on a caregiving navigator guide for families to take care of their older parents and loved ones. And you too, I found interesting that your interest in solo aging came out of a similar experience about caregiving. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you got into this whole subject? Uh, Well, at the time, my parents, of course, were growing older. Mm -hmm. I was working full time in the tech industry. I was about 50, I'm going to say 53 at the time. And both my parents were needing a great deal of help. Uh, unfortunately, at the time I was living in California, they were living in Texas. Mm. So it took about a year, but I uprooted my, my life in California, in San Diego, and moved to Texas to be near my family, or my parents, actually. Because not only did they need help, I wanted to spend their last years, uh, or I wanted to be with them while they were you know, because uh, I had no idea how long they were going to be on right. this earth. So right. I wanted to spend some time with them. 
And um, so it was my two sisters and myself who really took up the uh, the bulk of their care. And bless them. I mean, they, they did not want to depend. They didn't want to depend on anyone else but us. You know, we yeah. tried hiring caregivers. We wanted to uh, even have them look at assisted living uh, communities. No, no, no. They wanted to age at home and right. they wanted their three daughters to take care of them. Now, I, I'm, it, that may sound like I'm complaining. I am certainly not. I am so very grateful that I was able to do that for my parents. And uh, as a matter of fact, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of healing that went on because my mom and I had, uh, uh, in my younger years, we had some, you know, issues, uh, but I was, we were both able to, to heal them at, right. in her later years. So that was a real blessing for the both of us. However, uh, the burden of caregiving was uh, pretty extensive. And I would say the worst part was watching them lose their independence. Right. That was extremely difficult. And watching your mom and dad become very frail. My mom lived with multiple chronic illnesses. My dad had Alzheimer's there toward the end. So, so it kept us, uh, their care kept us very busy, the three daughters, <clears throat> to say the least. <laughs> right, right, right. And then holding down a full-time job on top of it was, uh, was, you know, was hard. It was very hard. And so that we spent about uh, several years, about five years helping the both of them. Then my mom died. And when she passed away, my dad, had, he had to move to an uh, Alzheimer's care facility mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we were just unable to take care of him at home. Right. Uh, and then he passed away two years later, and after that, I was um, I was pretty upset of losing my parents because sure. I spent so much time with them. Right. Um, so I was out on a walk one day, and I'll never forget my feelings. I was crying because I was missing my parents, and then I, it, then the thoughts of taking care of them, all of the the tasks that were required, all the hands on type of care that both my parents required. And then all of a sudden, I realized, oh, my gosh, who is going to do that for me? I mean, I it literally stopped me in my mm -hmm. tracks mm -hmm. uh, when mm -hmm. I was on my walk. And I stood there thinking, I mean, I almost got dizzy because reflecting back of all the work that that my sisters and I did for my parents, and I thought, oh, my God, who is going to do that for me? Because I don't have a husband, nor do I have a, a partner or children to mm -hmm. rely on. Right. So that's when, uh, literally, I got on the stick and started putting together a plan on what am I going to do and how am I going to do it. Right. Uh, and so I felt very fortunate because I paid attention to the needs of what my parents went through. Mm -hmm. So I started with uh, about the top eight concerns of, uh, of the most help they needed. And of course, it was with their health, with transportation, social engagement, support at home, living affordably, uh, financial decisions, medical right. decisions. So th those were the top concerns that I started dealing with. And the right. first on the top of my list was health. 
Right. Because right. if you don't have your health, you can just forget everything else. Right. And that's how right. I saw it. Right. Right. So yeah. I started with health and then money was my next top concern. And I start and then I started saving a lot of money and um, so I, I'm very grateful that I did it. It took about seven years, but now mm. I feel very, very confident about mm. aging alone. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that struck me is that, you know, we, we've we sort of um, created a culture that's outlived um, uh, or out, outpaced uh, our, our previous uh, practices. So, you know, starting with our parents' generation, you know, the the post-war uh, folks uh, to baby boomers, we sort of continued uh, this notion of, you know, the great American dream. So, do, you know, said to our kids, do what you want, go where you want, you know, go wherever you want, um, go where the best opportunities and jobs are. And then it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, there you are, you know, California, um, in Texas or Long Island or wherever. Um, and the whole you know, the social fabric is different. And, and so in, you know, years past, you know, you had families that were fairly close together. And so you had ex access to, you know, built in care and accessibility of these um, things that you need. But, but, you know, now they're no longer there. And, and, uh, and, you know, uh, compounding that is the fact that, you know, Socially, things are different. A lot of, you know, the, the divorce rate is high, so you're not necessarily with a, a partner. So we've just failed to recognize the, the distinct possibility that, you know, it may not be, you know, the, you know, the aging process that our parents were in. Um, and, and that's just a, a statement of fact. So we need to, you know, make accommodations for that and account for it, just as you have. Um, Absolutely. So why don't you, you, you've mentioned, I think I've heard some of your presentations before where you talk about some, just some of the statistics, which I think I mentioned a couple of them in the, um, in the introduction to you, but, you know, what are some of the things that are, are, are most, um, you know, challenging, you know, as you're aging alone? Um, you know, t in my opinion, not having a plan is mm -hmm. probably the most challenging. I see. Uh, and I cannot tell you how many emails I receive on a weekly basis from people all across the country saying, I'm alone, I'm looking to move, I'm looking to, the, to do this, I'm really scared, what am I going to do? And um, I just, it's so frustrating for me because we don't have to be in that position if, if we, if we just take the time and also really start to consider how do I want to live or how do I want my life to be one, three, five years from now? Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you don't have to go beyond that if you don't feel comfortable. Heck, if you can just start with one year from now, that's a great place to start. Uh, and, you know, start getting your legal documents in order, uh, make sure you have your finances. But uh, I have to say, Ron, it's really scary because most older individuals are financially not in a position to retire, and they do retire. They right. don't own their home. They have little to no savings. They live on Social Security month to month. They have increasing chronic illnesses. They have medical treatments coming up. 
And I'm telling you, that is scary. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder why people become isolated. I mean, who wants to face the world living like that? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so the most challenging, I would say, for most people is money and mm -hmm. finances and their health. Right, right. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I guess the, the, the longevity bonus, you know, has the, the, the converse, you know, worry it, it you know outliving you know you're outliving your money i think has become you know yes the top of the concern is to get older along with health and sometimes be, because of your health um so um i mean i think that uh you know people you know looking at them at the money situation in a realistic way and then then making backing into some decisions about housing i mean what you know what where can you afford to live how can you afford to live um you know, so I guess that goes into issues like like downsizing, right? And figuring out right. a place that you can, you know, reasonably afford. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's what I did. I lived in a two-story home in the suburbs. And I, at the time, I was close to 65. And I thought, what in the world am I doing in a two-story home? I'm living alone. First, I don't need a big place like this. Secondly, I don't need to be car dependent. And thirdly, I don't need to have my washer and dryer upstairs, right. lugging my clothes up, you know, right. up and down the stairs. So th that was one of the, you know, that was another thing I did is started to downsize, <clears throat> move to a high-rise building. It's not a 55 plus community. However, uh, we have a, a range of uh, ages and I feel very uh, connected with my neighbors. Uh, I live in a one bedroom condo. It's very comfortable for me. So uh, yeah, we have to think about where where should we place ourselves and what what can we afford? Right, right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things uh, you know, uh, you know, some people are talking now about, you know, as a result of the pandemic, you know, people are moving away from cities like New York into into the suburbs, and it's like, huh, okay. But then, you know, that's that's an issue that becomes a problem of you know, uh, of of isolation and uh, you know, access to you know things that you need. Um, I remember, you know, years ago before I grew up in the suburbs and I was living in the city with my wife for a while in a, you know, a regular apartment building. It was, a, I guess, a co-op at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, well, this is kind of nice, you know, if stuff comes, you know, there's a doorman, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know, so, so this is, you know, assisted living for, for the independent people, you know, yes. that's what you really need a lot of times. Yes. You need that kind of support system uh, and being in the suburbs, you know, maybe, sort of the American dream as you're raising a family. But then as you get older, it can become, uh, I wouldn't say a nightmare, but it's definitely a challenge situation, you know, where you've got to rethink how you're going to live your life well and, and with the appropriate support. Um, so I, I want to talk to you more about this, but I think we're going to, you know, uh, take a short break. Um, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Carol Merrick, uh, your source for solo aging, uh, so, folks, there's much more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Carol Mayer. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back to 45 Forward, folks, where we're talking with Carol Merrick, a premier expert on aging alone and how to do so successfully. Uh, before we continue our conversation with Carol, I just wanted to mention that you can find out much more about Carol's programs and her writings by going to her website, carolmarrick.com. That's one word, carolmarrick.com. You could subscribe to her newsletter and get an Aging 101 starter kit, find out about her solo living group coaching opportunities, and much more. So uh, you can uh, find out about her by going to her website. You can also go to my website, rowellresources.com, where I'm posting some more information about today's episode and Carol's contact information. So before the break, Carol, um, we were talking about you know aging, the, the the physical aspects of aging alone, and but particularly in the suburbs. Talk about that because I think that a large part of America is suburban, uh, and there are different kinds of challenges as opposed to living in a city. Absolutely, uh, I'm glad we're continuing that topic because um, I have a I created an assessment. Mm -hmm. Uh, for people to assess their housing, their health, their social connections, and all of the top concerns. And if they really are honest with themselves and appropriately self-appraise each life domain, and they would be able to then ask a few questions to really assess their level of satisfaction. So once you understand your level of satisfaction in each of the domains, then you can start addressing your top concerns. Well, now, if you are living in the suburbs like I was, mm -hmm. I really was very anxious to live in an urban area. Uh, however, after the move and the expense of moving, I realized, you know what, I had enough resources right where I lived, living in the suburbs. I didn't need a two-story home, that's for sure. However, mm -hmm. the only thing that I, at the time, when in my early 60s, I felt very isolated and lonely. Now, I could have made a lot of different changes or, or tweaked it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that 
that was to get more involved with my neighbors and to reach out to them. Now, I know that a lot of our neighbors were all, you know, we're so independent, we're very private individuals, we just kind of want to be left alone and say hello and be on our merry way. However, don't take no for an answer. Hmm. And that's the way I live here in my building. Because if just realize just because you start reaching out to your neighbors and you want to create some sort of a connection with him, whether it's, I mean, it's going to be a very light connection initially, but don't ever give up just because you try three or four times and they're not responding to, yeah, let's have coffee together or let's do an outside picnic or what have you, or an outside barbecue together where everyone brings some, you know, a dish to share, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It, it just mm-hmm. won't. When I moved to my building here, uh, I, it took me two to three years. I'm here almost five years now. It took right. me two to three years to build close relationships. Right. And right. believe me, I was seen. I, I, it's not that I stayed in my in my condo. I went downstairs. I would walk into the lobby, go into the coffee room, into our library, have conversations. And people were a little standoffish, but that's that. I think that's just normal, right? Until they get to be, until they're familiar with you, at least familiar with your face. Now. <laughs> Now I'll go downstairs and everybody wants to talk and it's like, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, because sometimes I get really busy, but, um, but it's really funny. So just know that no matter where you are right now, you can create social connection and engagement. It's going to, it may require some out of the box thinking, you know, and mm-hmm. it's going to maybe require some research on your part and maybe some time and effort. However, you have it within yourself to make a friend wherever right. you are. It could be at the grocery store right. or it could be at the post office. But believe me, it's possible. Right. You don't have to live isolated and alone. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and you know, there have been increasing numbers of studies talking about the impact of social isolation, not just on mental, but mm-hmm. on physical health. So I think that's mm-hmm. really key. And I think you're pointing out, too, that um, it, it takes some work to do this. You know, I, I think we... You know, we have this notion that, you know, of um, all these American communities dotting our landscape. And it's like, okay, but they they didn't happen by accident and they didn't develop by accident. And they they were maintained and nurtured through a series of relationships. So so even if you're in a community where you know people, usually it's, it's because you're in a certain um, house of worship. You know people there. Yes. You know people at work. You know people in the community or often because of your kids, right? You know, um, you're, you know their parents, you know their schools and so forth. But then as you get older, those relationships start to dissipate. Your kids grow up, they go elsewhere. You know, you're not, you, you start realizing, of course, well, we're friendly with the, their, their, your kids' parents, but not really connected. Um, not that you couldn't be, but it takes work to to replenish these relationships and, and friendships over life, you know, and that, you know, takes some doing, you know, it's, it doesn't come naturally, but it's important. And, and what you said really is that it's doable. 
and if you just focus on it, uh, and it's important. So, yes, um, yeah, it, and sometimes it even takes shifting our own our own mindset about something. You know, it, it, just because I'm whatever age I am, 65, 70, doesn't mean that I cannot be a close friend with a 35-year-old person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just may it just may look different and we may have different types of conversation. It may take work on my part to learn more about the topics that a 35-year-old or a 55-year-old would like to just, you know, would like to talk about or uh maybe get involved in. However, we we can do it. I, I guess um, I just want to encourage people to to kind of to really step into the role of taking responsibility for their lives. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had I did it. It uh, believe me, it wasn't easy, but no one I knew no one else was going to do it for me. And I certainly didn't want the government taking care of me. I can tell you that right now. Right. So it, it takes, uh, again, it takes planning. It takes research. It takes time and effort. And even moving beyond uh, our comfort zones right. many times. Right, uh, right. But, uh, it, you know, and then you'll become a person that it's like, wow, I'm pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. It's like, wow, I did this. And I have some really great friends, and we do some really interesting things. Right, right. Now, one of the, so going back to uh, previous uh, uh, notions about dealing with you know financial stability yes. as we get older, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was looking at some of your planning and with some creative ideas, some of which were like um, exchanging. So, in other words, dealing with your expenses by th- looking at opportunities like exchanging um, work for service. Tell us more about what that would involve. Well, that's something I have not implemented yet. However, uh, for example, if if a, a college university student needed to rent a, a room that's maybe near college or what have you, or if I lived in a three-bedroom home, I could rent out a room to a college student and in exchange for that individual to to look out for my house you know maybe do the yard work do odds and ends or handy type handy type work you know skills around the house in exchange for uh discounted uh room services or you know rent rental services or even you know help you know maybe cook a meal for them mm-hmm. uh, but i think there's so many ways that we can exchange our what i have with what you have to fulfill each other's needs right, right. and uh, it, it, and even uh, it's the ch- the older children like all the kids the young adults who are aging out of orphanages they need a lot of mentorship and help and uh, i know that we can th- some way think of of uh, of the doing an exchange or bartering with them giving them a place to live possibly or even mentoring them in right. exchange for the, them coming over to be our companion just to come over and visit Right. Heavens knows they don't have a family, and they they need someone to uh, to mentor to mentor them to right. guide them through life. Right, right. and 
So th- that's just, that's another way. Yeah. Um, I think that there's, you know, there, there's actually a program where near where I live here um, uh, called HomeShare. It's a HomeShare program mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. so it's, it's actually a formal program set up by a, um, a nonprofit agency um, where they match, you know, younger people and older people and they vet them and make sure that there's actually a social worker who works with them uh, to make sure if there are problems of, you know, on either side, make sure that both sides feel safe. But yeah, so home sharing, I think, is one thing. The other thing we, I don't know if, if you're familiar, this is a program that just started here as part of a, an age-friendly community program locally where I am, and it's called a time bank. Have you heard of this uh, notion of time banks? Yes, the Village to Village Network right. <clears throat> uses a time bank system. Right. That's right. right. And how the, do, you, do you understand how that works? Why don't you explain? I do, but why don't sure. you explain for our listeners? Sure. Uh, for example, there is here in Texas, one of the leading uh, village-to-village network groups is in Austin, Texas. It's called Capital Village. Okay. And there are many across uh, the nation. Unfortunately, Texas doesn't have a lot of them like the Northeast does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another one is at uh, Boston, um, Beacon Hill Beacon in Boston. Beacon Hill Village, right. Yes. Right. And so what, what happens is you, for a nominal annual fee, I could join it. And in return, the not, I think it's like $500 or so a year. And in, in exchange, <clears throat> I could, <clears throat> excuse me, access help like a handyman service, for example, to come in, do work around my house. I mean, these would be simple, light type of uh, services that they could provide. Or if I need someone to check in on me because I was sick or mm-hmm. to do some grocery shopping, do some light errands, or even uh, shuffle me to the medical center for, let's say, a treatment, for example. Well, all of this is typically at no charge. And so that person who is helping me would really, what they're doing is donating their time and it goes into their time bank. So in the future, they will be able to access their, the time they've given as a, you know, as to be received back to them at, for no charge. So it's kind of an exchange of, of uh, services uh, and that's another great way to barter. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what about um, uh, in terms of um, um, technology? What, what, how are you uh, leveraging technology? Uh, well, I, for me, uh, I, can, I can say that uh, I use Alexa mm-hmm. to do my ordering. Uh, sometimes I even find Alexa kind of like a companion (laughs) (laughs) because she'll answer my questions. (laughs) Uh, And then I also use, uh, there are different apps that are check-in apps Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that uh, I use Snug and uh, it's easy to use. It's a little app on my iPhone and every morning uh, it says, it tells me to check in. And so all I do is I press uh, a little green button and I've checked in. And if I don't check in, then they will, within 15 minutes, will notify uh, a contact, that right. my emergency contact. And if that emergency contact can't find me or get a response from me, then they'll call uh, 
uh, you know, the police department. Right. Or well, to do a wellness check in my home. Right. Right. And so there are several check-in services like that that I highly recommend. Uh, of course, if you need something a little more, uh, maybe a little more intense or a little more serious, like a medical alert, if mm-hmm. you are living with a chronic illness and you're taking several medications, you might have a tendency to fall. And then the pendants, the medical alert pendants right. would be probably a better choice than right. just a check-in service. Because if you're at risk and, you're, and you are more fearful of falling in the bathtub or falling at home, then I would get a medical alert system. Right. But of course, there are so many different types of home safety uh, type of technology that, that really does keep us safe. There's little cameras uh, that can be put inside the house where your family, if you do have a family member or a friend that could like uh, observe your your behaviors, if you're opening the refrigerator, meaning that you're eating, and if mm-hmm. you haven't opened the refrigerator, it notifies the caregiver or the person on the other side of the camera who's kind of observing you uh, to let them know of your the changed behavior right. or haven't gotten out of bed or if you haven't gone to bed, if you're still uh, in your chair. So there are different types of applications that uh, technologies that can be used to keep us safe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's important. I think that, and I think that they're changing rapidly. I mean, before it was just like, oh, you have a pendant, you know, and now these devices have become very sophisticated. As you mentioned, they can, you know, um, well, well, with these voice-activated things, I think that's very helpful too. Because sometimes, if you fall down and your pendant isn't on you, it's like, well, <laughs> that doesn't help me. But I think that right. these devices do help. Yes. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, there. Uh, I know that um, you know that, that these um, companies are developing um, cameras and and sort of motion sensors that yes. can really uh, they're being tested. But I think in in some um, adult care facilities that I think are helpful. Um, but I think that they're also thinking about, you know, rolling them out for the, the consumer market. Cause I think oh, that's, yeah. that's what you, that's what kids worry about, you know? Um, yes. And I think that that's a really important device. Um, I think that the one thing that uh, in sort of coordination with that, I think is just, you know, what we talked about sort of age friendly, um, you know, development uh, and, and thinking about how to make our, our homes uh, safer in terms of uh, other kinds of um, accessories or, or, or um, uh, providing, you know, we have a kind of, kind of a, a, a devices that can, you know, whether they're the simple like grab bars or making sure that the environment is safe for you when you're alone. So to essentially avoid as much possible, you know, tripping and falling hazards. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, wow, there's lots, there's still lots, lots to talk about. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to keep our conversation going. Uh, we're going to take another, uh, quick break in a, in a few seconds, but, um, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Carol's resources, her Facebook group, um, and her support groups and how they can help and how you can participate. Um, so you won't want to miss this last segment. So don't go away. We'll be right back after a short break. (music) 
get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're still talking with Carol Merrick, our female expert on aging alone and how to do so successfully. Uh, before the break, we were talking about, you know, a lot of accommodations that can be made in the home to make it safer and more comfortable. I think that, um, you know, as Carol was mentioning earlier, um, a lot of us want to, you know, age in the suburbs where we, you know, raised our families, but we need to make uh, accommodations, um, you know, and recognize that that now we there are issues like social isolation and transportation, lots of issues we need to deal with. Uh, but there are also lots of resources. So I wanted Carol during this last segment to talk a bit more about what kinds of resources, some of them in the community, but also some of hers, you know, on her website, you know, how her elder orphan Facebook group works, her support groups, her coaching works. So talking a little bit about that and then broadening to what resources, because as, as uh, she and I were talking earlier, there are lots of resources, just that people don't know about them. Yes, that's right, Ryan. Uh, quite a few, actually. And if you're new to the aging kind of uh, topics or new to caregiving uh, or even new to planning for your retirement and thinking about your long-term care as you move forward in life, uh, some of the top I'm going to say resources that I always refer mm-hmm. uh, individuals to is that the top one in my book is the Area Agency on Aging. Okay. And they are usually located in every county in the U.S. and they're a federally funded agency. Uh, they have access to most of the other resources that are available uh, for example, like two one one, you know the phone, uh, the phone information two one one that you can dial. That's right. a wonderful resource, and it's it's part of the area agency on aging. They they kind of sit in the same building. 
the area agency, they, they are well-connected community resource. They know elder orphan, uh, what are they called? Not elder orphan, that's my group. Elder law attorneys. Right. They know financial advisors, home care agencies, home health agencies. They have uh, access to all of these resources, transportation, free transportation, volunteer transportation (laughs) that will give you rides. So never fail to call them first or to go to their website and simply do a Google search on area agency on aging and then your town or your city and and they will come up. Yeah, are you or conversely, I guess you could go to your like in my area, like the county government. Just go to the county yes, government, their website, absolutely. and then there usually is the department and says yes. office for the aging, and that's where you click on. That's right. Yes. Or even your local senior centers. Right. They're they're another great resource for free services, you know, like transportation. They have volunteer drivers. Uh, here in Dallas, we have uh, the Dallas uh, shoot. It's, it's skip, you know, my skips my brain, but it's part of the. Uh, they do have an area agency, a part of their department as well. However, they uh, they do offer trainings of uh, legal doc trainings, financial advice. So so never think that you're all alone and you have no resources in your larger community because mm-hmm. you do. Right. Uh, just pick up the phone and just call not 211. That's 211 and they can set you in the right direction. Right. Now as for me, my website is carol uh, marak com, and I do group coaching. I have private coaching. And I also have created a course on from my book, which is upcoming and will be published next year called Solo and Smart. Okay. And so everything I, I really do from now on, it will be called Solo and Smart. Yeah. I even have a YouTube channel called Solo and Smart, right. where I offer video tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, which several times a week, and it's a great resource for individuals of all ages, well, especially over the age of 50, whether you are aging alone or not. But it's, it's, I, I just give people as much information to, for them to take care of themselves, right. because it's really, it's very, um, uh, it's very important that you 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 stay in good health. Right. You you really understand what your resources are in your community. You stay connected with friends, your neighbors, and uh, get to know uh, all the senior care type of services that you may need one day. So right. you're not left in the dark. But uh, I teach people how to prepare for for all these things uh, through my group coaching, through my classes. And uh, so check it out, carolmarock.com. Right. You know, I find it interesting too that, um, you know, yes. So this is, you know, for, you know, focused on as you get older and find yourself alone, but certainly in lots of different parts of our life, we find ourselves alone. So it seems to me that uh, you could be preparing. I mean, you know, many people in their twenties, uh, you know, after they're out of college, you know, they're not married yet, you know, but they're the social networks that they, they, they said they moved away from their community. 
So they've got to start. So they're basically alone. And I think that I, I, I found it interesting. I've seen a number of studies that people, the two demographics that are, are most susceptible to depression and, and anxiety and loneliness are those in their people in their early 20s and those in their 70s. And where you could sort of see similar uh, disjunctures in life where you, you're transitioning from, you know, one, um, you know, one structured life to an, one that's not as structured uh, in the earlier years and in the later years you get to, um, you know, you're, you're retiring. So you're, you're changing your work structure a lot. And I think people, there's a lot of disorientation, dislocation, and you need to really think about, as you said, you, you know, all these things together, uh, not only the finances and the housing and healthcare, but the, the connected piece, you know, that, yes. that not only connects you to other people, but connects these issues to each other. Yes, that's right. And and my biggest tip that I will leave with your with your audience today is mm-hmm. don't wait till you retire to start to prepare. Right. Because many times it it it'll not only take you longer, it'll just require a lot more effort on right. your part. Right. Right. So do it while you are still while you still have enough energy to do it and have enough motivation and interest in maintaining independence as you grow older. Right, right. So hence hence my show, 45 Forward, not 65 Forward. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's, it is important. You know, I think that it's Very. hard. It's, you know, you have to have this balance in life of living every day, you know, and, and trying to remain in the moment and trying to appreciate what's what's there every day in front of you and not get too distracted by what's coming up to stay in present. But then also, you know, going shifting, you know, toggling back and forth between, okay, but, you know, you want to do some planning, recognizing you got to be flexible. I think that's one of your keys to flexibility yes. of your plans. Absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, uh, then not being... Uh, prone to what I call PDD, which is planning deficit disorder, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which often we just, we had to do anything but plan. You know, I don't want to plan, you know, it's because I think, you know, planning then connotes like, okay, something's going to happen to me. It's like something will happen to you whether you, you plan or not. So why, don't, why right. not plan for some, <laughs> some contingencies? Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so the, on a couple of minutes, we, we do have left. Um, I just want to see um, uh, if we can talk a little bit more about, you mentioned earlier, um, the age-friendly communities, and you mentioned a couple of, of them, like, the Be- well, oh, Beacon Hill is more village-to-village, but but yes. um, but uh, talk a little bit more about that, if, if you've had more experience with that. I've, I've had some here, too, but I was just interested in your thoughts on that. Well, the, the, the most recent type of phenomenal phenomenon in housing is co-housing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then pocket neighborhoods okay and my favorite is the pocket neighborhoods because the co-housing can be quite expensive because you're really starting from the ground up in mm-hmm. terms of construction and and getting all the plans together, getting all the people, the you know the the by the residents or the homeowners together, and right. planning the whole village or your whole co-housing type of uh, you you know uh, 
development. Right. Uh, but pocket neighborhoods really, it, it, I, I just love that idea because it takes an existing little area that, that already exists. You know, it could be just two blocks of homes. And the neighbors come together and decide that they're going to make it a more social type of, uh, of environment. Mm-hmm. And they have meetings. They, they take their fences down. Uh, seriously, they take their fences down mm. so that people can communicate, you know, can socialize more. They build uh, little uh, larger barbecue pits and pizza ovens outside and big bonfires so it so it draws their the people out of their homes all of the neighbors out of their homes and sit around and visit in the evenings uh, which reminds me of the time when my parents, we lived in a small rural town. However, mm-hmm. my parents would drag out little lawn, four lawn chairs, even though it was just the two of them, they would drag out four lawn chairs from the backyard to the front yard. And inevitably, within 10, 15 minutes, the neighbors would come out of their house and come and sit down and just talk. So these, so if you're looking to create more a, of a social uh, more of a uh, engaged environment within your own suburb, sub mm-hmm. suburb, you know, suburb suburban community. Check out pocket neighborhoods and just do a search on them. There's a lot of information of what people are starting to do in these little existing communities to make it more engaging and to keep neighbors. Uh, connected and it, it's just it's really fun to watch they they exchange books recipes they have potluck dinners they move their picnic tables from the backyard to the front yard and it draws everybody outside that's great and uh it is it, and and i think we need to do more of that to yeah. have just to create our own family-like environment yeah. and that way you it's it's social it's fun but it and if you get older and you need a little bit of help, I bet one of them would help you out, right? Mm-hmm. One of your neighbors would because you spend so much time together. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I think that, that, you know, that, that we, um, you know, we, we go back and forth. And I think, you know, when life gets frantic and, you know, work takes up a lot of our life, you know, we talk about work and family balance and a lot of focus. And uh, I think, you know, things like the pandemic have, have refocused attention on family. But I think what you're saying is that it, that's a bigger, bigger concept. And then yeah. I don't think we realize, I, I think like you, when I'm growing up, um, my family was obviously central to me, but my neighborhood, we had a neighborhood, it was sort of an intentional neighborhood of people who came together, you know, bought the land together, divided it up, helped build each other's houses, you know, and, and uh, you know, create, you know, everybody, you know, it was a different time. It was a sort of enclosed area, but um you know, uh, people, you know, kids wandered around the neighborhood, you know, everyone took care of each other's kids, Yes. you know, and even though I'm sure you had this experience too, so some of the neighbors, you know, you know, or, or Uncle Grant and Aunt Mary and, you know, they weren't our relatives, but that's, they were, they were family. They were, you know, they do, took care of each other. So, you know, I call that kind of a back to the future notion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, this is the way a lot of things used to work, you know, and, and we've, you know, we've gotten away from that. And I think that, you know, a lot of, 
not a lot, but a certain amount of distress, I think, in and in, in contemporary societies because we've sort of lost that. You know, we've we've gotten too mobile. You know, we've gotten. You know, we in in some ways, you know, the 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 opportunities to do anything anywhere um, has has sort of dissipated this this notion of family, and I think that or or connection. Let's put it down. Connection, that way. I think right. That's, that's the right. right word as opposed to just family because it's not limited to that. Um, and so I think that's a great idea, I, you know, um, and, and I think that, um, you know, up here, I've gotten more involved in activities uh, called age, the age friendly community notion, which is a little bit like what you're talking about. Um, oh, but it's sort of yep. recognizing that, um, you know, you want to create communities that are less segregated by age and recognize right. you want to kind of reintegrate, you know, the, the age groups um, that can support each other. As you just said before about, you know, you can have, you know, people our age can have friends, you know, in their thirties and forties and, and, you know, and you share interests and, and, and you can share connection, but also support each other in, in times of need. Um, the, the, what I was mentioning to you during the break is I think that I'll, you know, the, the pandemic has really highlighted a lot of these needs for social connection. And I think also uh, for that, I think whenever we're faced with natural disasters, which seem to be unfortunately coming more and more uh, these days, um, that shows that, you know, those, those are periods when we are broken apart and, and people are isolated. So I applaud what you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to uh, invite you back for another dive at this topic at some time in the future. Uh, we're we're coming to our close today, but I just want to thank you for being a terrific guest and uh, to let you know, uh, people know if you've missed a conversation with Carol today, you can search, uh, go on voiceamerica.com and search my show 45 Forward and listen to this as a podcast. Uh, and finally, uh, tune in next week at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And my show will feature Carrie Lippin Lippinary, Director of Nutrition and Health Promotion at the U.S. Administration on Aging. Another great program. Don't miss it. Until then, keep moving forward. 45 Forward. All right. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Rowell, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.